while I was over there, um, one of the professors was like, dude, you know, if you want to be really in business, you ain't going to learn nothing in this class. You should just start something again. So I tried to raise $800,000 for a miniature golf and go-kart track. And I went to all these banks and they was like, man, we ain't giving you no money. You ain't got no money. You ain't got no experience. You're broke. <laughs> You're a young black kid at 19. You don't yeah. know nothing. But they looked at my business plan. They was like, but who did this for you? And I'm like, oh, I did this myself. Uh-huh. And it was like, wait, you wrote all of this? Yeah, I wrote that. And it was like, yo, we got people that come here with the money. They have all the qualifications, but they don't have the business plan that can pass our board. Yeah. You got to write. If you can write business plans for them, we'll we'll send them to you and pay you $40 an hour to write the business plans for our people to get loans approved. 40 bucks an hour at 19? Dude, I was making $5.20 at Applebee's. You don't give yeah. me $40? Yeah. Cake. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> give me that. <laughs> give me that. Run that up, you know? Uh-huh. So that was the first business I started in college after getting rejected about the miniature golf and go-kart track thing. I, I had a relationship with a bank that was sending me people to write business. Welcome to the Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station. I'm your host, Ed Doxon. Today, I have a very special guest here on the show, um, reporting live from Columbia. Um, we have another international guest here on the show. Uh, we had someone on here a couple of weeks ago who was originally from uh, Belgium. Um, but today, we have Ron Story. Uh, I think he has an amazing uh, story. You know, um, entrepreneur for 20 years, um, has started his own software company, lived in a few countries, so forth and so on. Um, but I'll let you tell the people more about it, Ron. But first and foremost, just thank you for being on Dreams by Any Means Motivation and um, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm Ron Story. I'm originally from East St. Louis, Illinois, uh, born and raised. It's a city known for musicians like Miles Davis and um, world-class athletes like uh, Jackie Joyner Kersey, you know, NCAA coaches like Conzo Martin, just a lot of famous people come out of East St. Louis from the world of entertainment and sports. And we're not really known yeah. for our business side of things. And you know, I'm five foot six, mm-hmm. so my chances of dunking <laughs> basketball is small. And uh, but uh, on the music side, I wasn't a Miles Davis. I, I played in the marching band and did all that, but I knew that wasn't my career. So I wanted to look at something that I thought could, you know, I could use the thing that I thought I had an advantage at, which was my brain and my hustle. So I, I started my first business while I was in high school, man. And, you know, mm-hmm. 20, almost 30 years later, still doing it. Okay. So, so you know, before we move on, talk about, uh, you know, growing up in St. Louis. Uh, what was that experience like? You know, what were some of the things you picked up, lessons you learned? Because, you know, I see started a business in high school. So it seems like you must have had a, you know, childhood that kind of led you in a great way. Yeah, I mean, well, so St. Louis is an interesting place because the city of St. Louis only has about 300,000 people, right? But if you add all the surrounding areas, it's got like 1.5. St. Louis, Missouri. I live across the bridge. I grew up across the bridge in a little city called East St. Louis, Illinois. Now, that may not mean anything to anybody listening to the podcast, but to the people that grew up in that area, I'm not from St. Louis. And if you talk to anybody that ain't from St. Louis, he from East St. Louis. And the people from East St. Louis are like, he's not from St. Louis, he from East St. Louis. I'll be don't be giving them credit for him, right? Yeah. So we take a lot of pride in being from Illinois. And you learn growing up that yo, man, life is what it is. 
right? So I get asked all the time, yo, man, how was it? Was it good? Was it bad? No, it was normal because that's the only life I lived. I, only, I didn't grow up anywhere else. So it was a, it's a poor city. I was fortunate that I was one of the more well-off kids because my mom and dad worked for the school district. So since my mom and dad, everybody complains about teachers' salaries nowadays, like teachers don't make no money, you know, all of that stuff. Back in my day, if your mom and daddy was a teacher, you was paid. You was the one with the joints because your mom and dad had a real good job. You had a stable job. Um, so that's what it was like growing up, man. I had the summers off with my mom, so we traveled around the country every summer, you know, and that that kind of got my travel bug to make me want to live internationally. But I was the first person in my family to get a passport. So, you know, but growing up was cool, man. It was hard. I mean, I saw some wild stuff, man. I mean, in the summertime, yeah, you yeah, know, your mom and work is going from school. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Everything they say about it is true. It's true. Like, uh-huh. it's a, it, it can be tough. I mean, I've, I've watched, I, we were shooting basketball one day outside my house, right? And my little, my older sister, her little goofy boyfriend, you know, he's reformed now. He's incredible now. He's, I mean, he has, he has a great story. You should interview him. He has okay, the world's greatest story, right? Okay. All right. So his name's Reggie. And Reggie was, my mom used to call him the smartest. She said, you're going to be the smartest person in jail, right? Because he was a brilliant kid, but he always wanted to shortcut, right? Mm-hmm. So I would watch him growing up and he, he used to think he was the the world. He thought he was Pablo Escobar, man. He thought he was the world's biggest dope dealer. And he had yeah. this gun that he would bring to the house and hide under the couch. And one day we were playing basketball and he just hacked the heck out of one of my friends. And he gun. So my friend goes in the house and grabs the gun and chases him out the neighborhood, like not out my yard off the block right off the block we like oh no this is not how this was supposed to go so but now this dude has you know a trucking company he has a a barbecue sauce that's in 800 supermarkets wow right like he's totally you know reformed his life and it's amazing to see like the hustle and the grit that comes out yeah. of St. Louis, because there's a lot of stories like that. But to see from that day when he was almost dead, like literally almost got killed over a basketball game, to now yeah. where he is today, I'm proud of him. So Reggie, if you listen to this, man, high five. But that's yeah. that's a hood story. That's what I grew up with. Right, right. Like, people see <laughs> no me, they see my shirt, they be like, "Oh man, you ain't never." No, bro, this yeah. is this is the reformed me. Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah, seen right. a lot. Right. And, you know, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think sometimes people, like you said, they'll think just they, they just see the end result, but they don't know where you came from. And sometimes, you know, we our people, we get into that that space of glorifying that. But it's like it's not glorifying it, but it's something that we all went through. But by the grace of God and, you know, by that hustle and determination, we made it out. But um, wanted to ask, you know, what made you how did you start a business in high school? You know, that's a real big, big accomplishment. How did that go about? Yeah, actually, so I actually didn't know I was running a business at first. Um, I would collect cans. I would just go to people's houses and collect their cans, take the water hose, wash them out, stomp them, put them in a a trash bag. When the trash bag got big enough, 
my mom would let me put them in the trunk. She would drive me to the recycling place. I would get 30 yeah. or 40 bucks. And that's how I would buy my Nintendo cartridges or my Sega Genesis games or new basketball, whatever I wanted came from me hustling aluminum cans in the neighborhood. So I knock on all my neighbor's doors. Yo, can I go through your trash and get the cans out? And then after you do that a few times, they stop putting them in the trash can. And yeah. they say, hey, Pooh going to come by and get them cans, so don't put them in there. Because that's what they call me. They didn't call me Ron. Pooh going to come by and get the cans. So they would already have them packed up for me. And then I could, you know, stomp them and turn them in. Um, so that was like me hustling as a kid. Well, yeah. when I was in high school, there was an opportunity to do this thing called Inroads. And Inroads is a great program. It kind of gives you like an internship. And yep. you go to these little classes at the universities and all this stuff. A lot of my friends still work those jobs they got 30 years ago at Inroads. Like one of my buddies still at Boeing today. He started wow. as an intern in the ninth grade at Boeing and he is still at Boeing 30 years later. Mm. Right. But I went a different route. I did something called Maya, the Minority Youth Entrepreneurship Program at Washington University. And what we did, we took. Um, business classes in the in the summer, and they gave us college credit for it in the tenth grade. So you 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 would get the college credits, but you started a business at the end. So that's how I started a business. And um, while I was in high school, is because I went through that program and they showed us. And but in reality, if if we count the can collection thing, I was in the recycling business, baby. Since right, I right. was six, <laughs> yeah, you had a game, man. <laughs> That's what's up, bro. Okay. So, you know, um, before we uh, got on here, you know, everyone is watching, um, you mentioned something about living in, you know, these different six countries. So I know you mentioned as a child, you got to travel around. Um, so was your first time leaving St. Louis going away to uh, college or did you do college locally? So, no, I, I went to college at the University of Illinois. So okay. um, I ended up, it's like three hours north of okay. St. Louis in Champaign-Urbana. Right. So that's why I originally went to college for engineering. And here's a funny story. The reason why I got into engineering was because I was really good at math. And my yeah. counsel was like, you should just be an engineer. I didn't even know what an engineer was. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't know anybody who was an engineer. I'm from like the hood. Like everybody I know at school teachers because of my parents. I know a few lawyers and a bunch of school teachers. I don't know any engineers. Right. But I said, well, how much they make? Because that's all I cared about. How much they make. Right. Uh, you can make $60,000 coming out of college. This is 96. I'm like, right. yeah. yes, I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up 60 grand in 96, 97. Yep, I want that, right? Mm. So um, I ended up going away to, to U of I in the engineering school, and I failed out my first year, right? I mean, I didn't understand any of the stuff they was talking about. I was smart for a kid coming from the inner from i was smart but i wasn't well educated i guess that's the best way to put it right so and what i mean by that is i had the intelligence but i hadn't gone through the curriculum that was necessary to to perform at that level i just didn't have the discipline yeah. or any of those things or the interest mm -hmm. in engineering so i don't insult yeah. the school i came from i'm proud of being from there but i just wasn't yeah. ready for engineering at University of Illinois, which yeah. was at the time the number one engin civil engineering school in the country, above MIT and Harvard and everybody else. They were number one. And I lasted one year before I fell out. Right. Okay. And um, then I, I was like, you know what? 
I'm going back to what I know, man. I yeah. I started a business that summer. I, I filled out. I started a business, and I just hustled from there. And what was your um, what was your? Because I know you mentioned you know, your parents being teachers. What was their reaction to you filling out? Oh man, I mean, you know, my dad, my dad really didn't care, right? Okay. He was he was involved, but not involved. My mom was kind of the the boss, right? So her thing was like, look, just go back. What you gonna do? Like, you can't come back home. Like, coming back home ain't an option. So there's a junior college in Champaign called Parkland. So I was like, dude, I'll go to the junior college. So I knew if I could get into U of I, of course they're gonna accept me. The junior college, just pay for it, right? <laughs> so I ended up going to Parkland and um, I switched my major to business. And while I was over there, um, one of the professors was like, dude, you know, if you want to be really in business, you ain't going to learn nothing in this class. You should just start something again. So I tried to raise $800,000 for a miniature golf and go-kart track. And I went to all these banks and they was like, man, we ain't giving you no money. You ain't got no money. You ain't got no experience. You're broke. <laughs> You're a young black kid at 19. You don't yeah. know nothing. But they looked at my business plan. They was like, but who did this for you? And I'm like, oh, I did this myself. And it was like, wait, you wrote all of this? Yeah, I wrote that. And it was like, yo, we got people that come here with the money. They have all the qualifications, but they don't have the business plan that can pass our board. Yeah. You got to write. If you can write business plans for them, we'll, we'll send them to you and pay you $40 an hour to write the business plans for our people to get loans approved. 40 bucks an hour at 19? Dude, I was making five dollars and twenty cents at Applebee's. You don't give yeah. me forty dollars. Yeah, it's cake. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> give me that. <laughs> give me that. Run that up. You know. Uh, so that was the first business I started in college. After getting rejected about the miniature golf and go kart track thing, I I had a relationship with a bank that was sending me people to write business plans. That's what's up. Okay, that's good. So, so you know, man, doing that at a young age, uh, and I always ask this because I think the older I'm getting, I notice um, certain things I get from my mom, certain things I get from my dad. Was it one parent where you say you got this entrepreneurship mindset that kind of hustled from, or was it both of them, or it's just wrong? It's just something you had in you. No, I mean the thing about it is that so I got two older sisters, right? And growing up in the house with them, and then I got a, a younger god sister that is like blood, right? So I'm the only dude. And my, my dad wasn't in the house. So I didn't want to hear nothing they had to say, right? So if my sister's, hey, yo, do your homework, cool, I'll do that because I got to get, get through school. But as far as career-wise, I don't want to be like, y'all, y'all girls, y'all can't tell me nothing, right? So yeah. I always <laughs> go get it on my own, do my own thing kind of like the, yeah. you know, the rebel of the family. And right. so, no, nah, I mean, gotcha. my mom is, my mom retired from the same job. She had the same job for 35 years. My dad retired from the same school district, never had any side hustles, nothing like that. Um, you know, my sister, she retired from um, the post office. She worked there for yeah. 25, 30 years, you know? So let me make sure um, my little baby ain't crying in the background here. I apologize. <laughs> It's funny. Yeah, I was so, my, uh, no, I'm you good. I was hoping my, my dog in here. I was hoping my dog ain't stop barking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, I don't know if you can hear it, but I have noise cancellation on. But but um the the hustle was just from being like, yo, I'm out here and I'm doing these cans and I'm making money without having to go to work. Right. I yeah. worked at McDonald's, like pressing the bread. I don't even know if they 
bake the bread anymore. But I used to have <laughs> to toast the bread, toast all okay. the buns for the McDonald's. That was my job. I did nothing else but toast bread. And I'm like, dude, I make more money collecting cans than doing this. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's like that that hustle mentality. The thing that changed me, though, was uh, when I got my first job working for tips. That's when I realized that there was more money out there because you just not stuck to the salary. So I was a carver at uh, Old Country Buffet. Okay. Right? And what happens is that you, you get people a, a decent amount of, you give them a little bit thinking of what they, what the company tell you to give you. They got a little thing. They drop a little dollar in there. So yeah. I knew who to get a little cuts to, you know, <laughs> and uh, they come back, they drop me a little tip. Cool. So I'm learning about tips in the 10th and 11th grade. Like, yo, you ain't got to do this oddly thing. You can kind of hustle on your own based on your own character and charisma. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, dude, this is just doing this at a higher level. It's really just, you know, that's what business is. It's finding a customer that has a problem that they're willing yeah. to pay someone to solve and then trying to solve that. You know, right. that's pretty much what I learned early and I just kept going. So yeah, my yeah. mom and dad, it was, it was me, man, just out there. You know, they yeah. never told me to give up. I have to give my mom credit. My mom is the most positive person ever. She just, you know, man, just keep going. What you going to do? You failed out. Now what? It was never, man, I can't believe yeah. you embarrassing <laughs> the family. We think. Right. What you going to do? Next. Like, you can cry about it. You can get back to work. So I got back to work. And, you know, that's that's my background, man. I'm, I've been a, I ain't never quit. I'll quit when I'm dead, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what's up, man. That's inspiring. So um, let's get into this 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 moving around. You know, uh, just give you back on our podcast. The second episode was actually an episode called Moving Around. Uh, one of my close friends, Monte, we talked about the importance of, you know, getting out of your hometown, traveling. I've lived in a couple states. I even tried to live over, uh, overseas one time for a job. So we had that mindset and we try to put that on a lot of people, you know, our age or coming out of school. So talk about the first country that you relocated to. Oh, man, I'll tell you a funny story. So in um, uh, 2009, I was the district manager for Farmers Insurance. So I used to have eight Austin agencies, and then I became a district manager over 300 offices for farmers. But I was leaving that to start a business again. And But I got my passport. I told my girl at the time who was in college, yo, when you graduate, don't get a job, right? Come travel with me. We're going to travel around the world, kind of see what's out there. And then when you go back in a year and a half or two years to apply for a job, you'll be more interesting in the interview, right? Like they'll hire you because you're just, you got a better story. You've lived in these countries. You've looked at all these different things. Her parents weren't going for it, right? Her parents like, no, you don't need to be dependent on no man, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Idiot, just stupid, right? I wish her the best. I hope she's doing well now. But it was that that decision ended up killing the relationship. So I ended up not traveling for eight years later because I didn't want to go by myself. And I didn't know anybody else who had a passport. One of my frat brothers was like, yo, I got a job in Honduras. I'm going to be teaching. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, yo, when I go down there, come down. So I go down to Honduras and I'm like, oh, no, I can't live here, man. This place was hard, boy. I thought I grew up in the hood. Nope. I grew up in Beverly Hills. East St. Louis is Beverly Hills compared to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. So at the time, St. Louis was the murder, was the murder capital of the world for like 
mm. eight years in a row per capita, mm. like in the U.S. Yeah. Right. Or the capital of the United States, St. Louis, Missouri. SPS, San Pedro Sula, was the murder capital of the world. <laughs> Not of the U.S., of the planet. The world. So okay. I show up there. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go because if I can survive here, every other place will be easy. You know, this will be the easiest place I've ever lived in my life. You know, so I went to SPS. Stayed there for about two weeks, and then I was like, "Yo, I gotta, I gotta roll. I can't, I can't do this because I didn't speak any Spanish. It was just like, man, I thought I was gonna get <laughs> robbed every five minutes and everything. So it wasn't cool at all. Yeah, but that was the first place, San Pedro yeah. Sula, Honduras. I went down there because one of my frat brothers was teaching school down there. Yeah, and realized that wasn't for me. That wasn't yeah. it. Yeah, but you, but you know, I think uh, you know a lot of things. Just hearing you talk so far, like you said, you never quit, but you also just seem like you never was afraid to try anything. You know, whatever that's. Oh no, no, you gotta try. Like as long as you think you're gonna be alive, you gotta try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you know, going back, uh, thinking about you starting an entrepreneurship in high school. Um, you know, reading through your bio now, being 20 years as an entrepreneur. Um, I want to talk about a transition into this software company. Um, that you have started up. Um, I think that's a lot. Um, read over, you know, briefly what it is. Um, I know you've been doing entrepreneurship yep. for a while, but let's talk about that. You know, that machine, that whole business you have going. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my the the business that I run today is called PitchDB, um, Pitch Database for short, PitchDB.com, and we help people to get booked on podcasts just like you and I are talking right now, right? And it's a company that I bought in 2018. So, okay. um, you know, it wasn't like this grand idea that I had. It was literally just, yo, this is an opportunity. I can buy this company because um, I gotten tired of starting companies. I'm like, dude, you, you spend all this time starting companies and you can just buy someone else's heartache, right? So that's what I ended up doing. And now we have over 3 million um, podcasts, over um, 148,000 local organizations and conferences that people can hop in reach out to, to get booked on shows, and they can also um, get booked for speaking gigs and things of that sort. Okay. And and, and um, is this company, do you have employees? Is it kind of like self-ran? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I do have employees. So all of my employees are based here in Columbia, nice. um, where I live. So um, when I bought the company, my first developer was out of Bogota, Colombia, uh, Santiago. And interesting story, Santiago started developing for me for $6 an hour. And now I think I pay him $60 an hour um, (laughs) to to be the project manager over our development team and everything. Um, So, you know, but there's there's nine of us. So we have a done for you podcast booking side for people that don't want to use the software where they can, you know, we have a team of of, um, English speaking black Colombians that reach out and um, deal with our clients and get get us booked on podcasts to share our stories yeah and what are some of the advantages okay what are some of the advantages um and i was seeing old similarities but you know you've seen you know being an entrepreneur in the states in the u.s but also having a business now out of the country like what are some of the advantages and challenges you come across yeah so i mean my business is still located in the u.s you know okay my employees are just out of the country Yes. Right? Okay. So the, the great thing about having employees that are um, out of the country is that you can have an impact, right? Colombia have been good to me. I've been here for six years. 
So Columbia had been good to me. And I would see people that look just like me. The only difference is that English was my first language. Spanish was their first language. Spanish mm-hmm. was my second language. English was their second language. Yeah. Right. But same level of intelligence. We look just alike. They didn't even know I wasn't from here until we started talking. They realized how horrible my Spanish was. Right? <laughs> but then they would talk to me in English. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's a bunch of English speakers here. Why don't we start hiring these folks? Because yeah. minimum wage here in Colombia is only $200 a month, mm. right? Not a day, not an hour, $200 a month. Is minimum, yeah. A month is minimum wage, $200 a month. So I'm like, dude, I can get someone in the States, offer them $20 an hour, and they're going to complain about the job and be ungrateful mm-hmm. um, and kind of feel entitled to halfway do the job. Or I can find someone here. I'm not going to pay them minimum wage. So we pay our employees about 5 bucks an hour. So we're like, okay. look, we can pay them above minimum wage. They're happy. They never leave in this job. But I get a discount on the same level of talent that I would get um, in the States. So that's been the biggest advantage is that we can have an impact on yeah. changing people's lives. Like, I mean, I remember when I gave Santiago his first raise, he mm-hmm. literally cried over the phone. Mm-hmm. Right. So he had worked for me for nine months and had built the basis of you know, the project, he had managed the basis of the project for Pitchley Beep and his dad needed throat surgery. And he was like, yo, can I, I'm working 40 hours a week. Can I move that up to 60 hours? Because my dad can't work and we need, we need more money in our family. And I'm like, 60 hours. He was like, yeah. I'm like, Hey man, how much more money you need? He was like, I'm only looking to make this much more. So I, I moved it from $6 an hour to $9 an hour at the time. And that made up that extra 20 hours he was going to be working. He literally balled over the phone because he could take care of, he could now cover his dad's salary, what his dad was making. And I mean, so just being able to have an impact It ain't a Jesus complex. It's not people help me. Like I wouldn't be where I'm at. If somebody didn't take the time and say, I feel bad for this little kid for me, St. Louis, he needs an opportunity. We're going to just give him a chance. If that dude at the bank, didn't look at what I, the skills that I had and decided to send me a few clients to try mm-hmm. me out. I wouldn't be who I am today. So, you know, a lot of, we get a lot of criticism when you travel the world and you, you do this, are you exploiting? But we ain't exploit nobody, man. We're, we're providing opportunities. I'm changing my employees' lives. Yeah. If you don't believe me, ask them. They'll tell you. To go right. from making six bucks an hour in, in 2018 to yeah. making $60 an hour now, Get out of here. I don't want to hear yeah. it. <laughs> like, I ain't explain nobody. Yeah, and there's talent everywhere. You know, I think that's the thing. And, you know, I think culture also has an impact on how talent performs, you know, the way people were. And I learned that, you know, like I said, when I had my uh, my job out of grad school, I got to go to Mexico. I got to just be around it to see how different, you know, business was in Mexico City compared to the U.S. It was things such as, like, you know, lunch break in Mexico is two hours. But they work from 8 a.m. to about 8 p.m., you know, so there's a difference yep. is there, you know. But yeah, but they believe in breaking, you know, breaking bread and, you know, bonding as well. well yeah, that's, that's work, work, work. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, that's the same thing here. Here in Colombia, they work 12 hours a day, six days a week. Yeah. Like, and I'm like I didn't get that at first. I'm like, wait, you go from eight to eight or from six to six, Monday through Saturday? Even on a Saturday. Like, yeah. or, I mean, they work six days a week. So I'm like, holy yeah. crap. Like, 
my um, I have two kids and my girl, when I first met her, she was doing nails. She was a nail tech. And um, she came from Venezuela. She moved here when the um, when Venezuela was having their civil war. And yeah, she yeah. came and I said, how much money are you coming with? She came with $110. I wouldn't leave the house with $110 in my pocket. <laughs> Not to mention, move to a whole other country with $110. <laughs> crazy, yeah. right? She was like, yeah, I just live with some friends and I, I needed, I left my, um, our, our six-year-old is, is her son, but he's my son too, because it's I take care of him. But he was like not even walking when she left him in Venezuela to come here to make a better life for him, right? Mm -hmm. And then she went back and this dude was walking and talking when she went back to get him a year later. So yeah. when we talk about like sacrifices that people make for the betterment of their family, you know, she moved here with 100, 110 bucks, you know, lived with friends until she was able to get on her feet, went back to get her kid. And I'm like, yo, how do you get to work every day? She said, oh, I ride the, because I, I live in a certain neighborhood and she worked in this neighborhood at the nail shop. I'm like, you don't live over here. How do you get to work? Oh, I ride the train. How long does it take you? I take my kid to school at 7 a.m. Then I get on the bus and the train so I can get to the salon by 10. Three hours, one way to work. And we complain Three about the 40 minute commute. <laughs> I said, we complain about a 45 minute commute. <laughs> Three hours, one way to work on bus and train. And then she gets off at eight mm -hmm. and then has to take another hour and a half back. And I'm like, yeah. Dude, this is this is crazy. Like, I couldn't imagine that, but that's what people do on a and it's normal. Yeah. Right? But now you know, she don't work now. She's a stay-at-home mom. She's been stay-at-home for the last two years. She, okay. you know, but the idea that I would complain about my life to her, right? Like she listened to my stories growing up and she laughing like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You complain. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm talking yeah. about making four dollars an hour in um you know in 1994, 1995 working at McDonald's. You know, I mean, right now her sister makes twenty dollars a week working yeah. 50 hours a week in Venezuela. Twenty dollars mm -hmm. a week. So hey man, we think we broke until we go to places yeah. where people are. Right there. You be, I needed to hear that because I've been complaining about this rent. I ain't about to complain no more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she makes her sister makes 20 bucks a week. No yeah. BS. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I want you to dive a little deeper into, you know, just hearing everything about the business, um, you know, running a business, changing people's lives, you know, your girl being a stay-at-home mom, all these different things. This is something where, you know, us growing up, we can say it's the American dream, but a lot of us maybe not go and achieve it or we're scared. So talk about, you know. The, the, the route, like you explained a lot of, you know, being an entrepreneur, you things, but like, I'm sure you had hardships, but like, what was the route to really navigate to yeah. say, you know, because I'm sure even with your, your network and how smart you are, I'm sure you probably got a lot of nine to five job offers tons of times, but what made you say, no, I'm doing my own thing and I'm going to build this thing up until I can build the life I want. Yeah. So based on what I was, I, I talked about the bank giving me people to write business plans for. Right? Yeah. And one of my friends, his name was Walter. And Walter worked for Prudential selling mutual funds back in like 96, 97. 
Okay. It was like, yo, man, I know you're making some money because you always trying to be fly and do this. You got the new shoes. You got Tommy Hilfiger, everything. You got the Jabot <laughs> jeans. I know. Why are you blowing all your money on these clothes? Why don't you put some money in the mutual fund? That's literally what he told me. I remember that day, right? And Walter was a six foot 10 basketball player for U of I. And he had just graduated and he was now selling mutual funds and investments. So I started to do that and I fell in love with it. And I was like, yo, this business plan thing is cool, but I can do this financial advisory thing because I'm I'm making some money. I'm understanding how it works. So I wanted to do that. And I went to Prudential for an interview and they was like, no, you need a four year degree. I'm like, well, can't do that. So I got a job at a bank and I was like, yo, maybe I can work my way up. And I, I worked at the bank for like a month. And I finally met with the investment dude. And I said, yo, I want to do what you do, man. Here's my portfolio. Here's what I got. And he was like, oh, yeah, you need a degree to do that here for this bank. This was bank one at the time. Okay. And so I'm like, all right, I quit. So I quit. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess I got to go back to school because I was at the junior college. I'm like, I, got, I guess I got to go to a four-year school in business so I could do this financial advisory thing. So yeah. my mom had found um, Illinois State University was the first school in Illinois to offer an entrepreneurship degree. Before, you can only get a degree in marketing, um, accounting, business administration, but they didn't teach you how to start a business. College just taught you how to work for a business, right? So I ended up going to U of I, I mean, uh, Illinois State University transferring and getting into um, the entrepreneurship program. And my first semester there, this lady named Cindy, I don't remember Cindy's last name, but I know her first name was Cindy because that's what we called her. She says, does anybody in here want to do uh, run their own financial planning business someday? Hello? Yes, I want to do this, you know? And I went to all these interviews with Northwestern Mutual and I started selling insurance and investments my junior year in college at Northwestern Mutual. So that's how I got into like official business. So I did that for four years. Yeah. That turned into eight Allstate agencies. Okay. That turned into a management job for uh, with Farmers Insurance, which eventually I became a partner in a publicly traded company called the Marketing Alliance. And if you look it up, it's M-A-A-L. I'm one of the owners there. Um, I, so that was my insurance world. But I realized mm-hmm. there was a ceiling in the insurance world. So I started thinking about like, yo, can I start buying up more agencies? I had eight Allstate offices at one point. What if I had a thousand of them? And I tried to buy these insurance agencies and it was a disaster. But I learned a lot. Like I got a lot of mentors, got a lot of cool people around me. They were like, yo, man, you should try this, but it's going to be hard. Yeah. Learned about buying businesses from there. And that's how I ended up buying the software company. So I know that was a long story, but if I had to tell anybody who's listening, there are more, you'll be better off buying a business than starting a business. Okay. So I don't want you to get enamored with my how to start a business stuff. Don't do that. If you're black and you're over 21, don't start a business. Buy one. It's cheaper. It costs less (laughs) to buy it than what it does to start it. Mm -hmm. I can prove it to you. Yeah, and, and you know, once you buy it, it's like it's already, it's a pretty, you know, once you buy it, the wheel is already kind of running. You're just adding your flavor to it. 
And we see that a lot with these tech, you know, these tech giants buying these small companies. It's like that. I don't know if they had this Columbia uh, Corner Shop. It pretty much is like an Instacart, uh, um, um, yeah, Instacart or Uber East Grubhub. But Uber recently bought it because, you know, I used to use Corner Shop to get some extra coins. Man, I'm making like 40, 50 an order. Uber bought it. Now Uber won't pay you four or five dollars for each order. It's crazy. But I'm looking at it just from a business mindset like, man, that's how you knock out the competition. You take it and make it something you want it to be. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, and but acquisitions have always been around. If we look at waste management, you know, the trash company with the green trash cans. I don't know if you ever heard of that before. Yeah. Right? Waste waste management yeah, yeah, was yeah. a roll up by by Wayne Heisinger. He went and he bought up all the local uh, trash companies and turn them into a big company waste management. And then he did it again with blockbuster video. He took all of the, the little small local video stores and rolled up blockbuster in the blockbuster. Right. So Wayne Heisinger did it twice and he was the owner of the Miami dolphins. Right. But that's how he made his money by buying yeah. up little trash companies and buying up, um, uh, little, uh, movie rental videotape rental stores you know yeah. so buying a business is just like buying a piece of real estate you know i mean it's the same process you know for when you buy real estate they got fha right and when you buy a business they got sba right yeah. when you go buy a, uh, the fha guarantees part of your loan sba guarantees part of your business loan it's the same thing. Real estate is just a housing business. You got to put down 20%. Got to put down 20%. Same thing. It's the same process. The only difference is that real estate is a simple business. The product is clearly defined. People are on contracts. So you know what you're going to get. Where in buying a Pizza Hut, don't nobody have a 12-month contract with Pizza Hut. <laughs> you know? But the, the customers come back and forth, but you can look at the um, the the profits and loss statement. The bank can determine whether or not they should loan you the money because if the business can't pay for the loan, then they won't loan it to you. Just like when yeah. you buy a piece of real estate, it's the same thing. You know, nobody would say, man, I want to build an apartment building. And you go to the bank, well, who's going to do the excavating? Me? Who's going to do the the uh, electricity, me. Who gonna do the concrete, me. Who gonna do the roofing, me. Who gonna do the drywall, me. The bank ain't giving you that loan, bro, for that building. If you gonna do all the work yourself, they like, no, you you need a general contractor that yeah. can hire in professionals. But mm -hmm. that's what you sound like when you go into a bank and say, I'm a, I want a business loan. Who gonna do the accounting? Me. Who gonna do the product? Me. Who gonna do the marketing? Me. Who gonna do the sales? Me. They like, oh, we good. <laughs> right. Yeah. What? What? Uh. You know. I know there's a bunch of tools. But what are two things that stand that you, that you know come to your mind when you say you know two tools for entrepreneurs that are, whether they're starting their business or buying that business? Yeah. The, the number one sales skills probably the most powerful thing you can have. If you can't sell, I don't suggest that you buy a business. If you can't sell, but you want to be an entrepreneur, I think you should, you'll be better off owning a franchise because the franchise mm -hmm. automatically has the systems to make the business work. Right. But if it's not a franchise that has these systems and marketing all in place, you're going to have to know how to sell. So I think everybody, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to know how to sell. So that's the first thing you need. 
the slept on thing in any business deal is something called owner financing. Owner financing, meaning that the business owner will sell you their business without you having to go to the bank. Do you hear what I said? They will sell you their business without you having to go to the bank, right? <laughs> so you can, maybe they'll do half of it. Maybe they'll do all of it, you know, but you can get the owner of the business to play the bank maybe for 50% at least of the purchase price of the business. So if I was going to go buy a business for a million dollars, I would be going into it looking for at least a half million dollars of owner financing, right? I want the owner to be part of it, part of the deal for a couple of reasons. One, I don't want the bank to finance everything, but I want the owner, if he, if he has part of the loan, that means that if he's willing to take on part of the loan, that means that probably the business is performing the way that he said it was. If he ain't willing to bet on his own business that I can pay him out of the money that's being made, he probably fudging the books. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so those are the two things: sales skills and owner finance. You give me that, I'm good. Because yeah, I can, yeah. Because my sales skills, I'm gonna use them to sell him on owner financing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. That's that's true. Because you know that the if you're customer it's, it's been times where i may have not a plan to buy anything and somebody just kind of had that sales pitch and had that you know buying more importantly it's like relatable you know i say sometimes i hate when you're talking to someone and like you just feel like they're pushing to sell it but when it's more like a conversation and make you believe in what they're talking about is you know it's a different experience but um uh, living over in columbia you know before i even connected with um angela the pr company i remember when i was in grad school i was on youtube and I came across a video that talked about the uh, significant amount of African-Americans that reside in Colombia. So could you speak to that a uh, little bit, just, you know, your experience being there, connecting with other black people? What is the culture like? Um, like, talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of Americans think that slaves are only brought to America. <laughs> like, that's the first thing we think. Black folks was only brought from Africa up into Florida and the West, you know, the East Coast, South Carolina as slaves. Right. They weren't the only place they went. They went all down in South America because, you know, they were producing sugar. They were producing tobacco. Yeah. They were producing a lot of different things down in South America and using it to ship to the rest of the world. So the majority of the slaves did not go to the U.S. They came to Central and South America. Right. Um, you know, Haiti, those islands, places like that, you know, Cartagena has a song called the La Rebellion where on November the 4th, it's like the first week of November, I think it's November the 4th, every year they celebrate Cartagena Independence Day when the slaves took Cartagena from the Spanish, right? So like, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of black folks here. They just speak Spanish. And I was one of those ignorant people that thought, oh, well, black folks, you black if you're in America. You know, no, nah, you black, like black is black, no matter what we just say, right? We just have a different language yeah. first. So we usually judge people by their language. So if they don't speak English or Ebonics, are they black? What? Just because they don't speak a language? Right. No, they just as black right. as us. We're talking about ethnicity, not nationality. 
Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. Colombians yeah. are big on nationalism. So it's like, yo, I'm Colombian. If you, it's so funny. I'll tell you a funny story, right? So <laughs> my daughter is like one shade lighter than me. Okay. My girl is one shade lighter than me. And if you told her she was black, she would look at you like you were like you were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm not black. Because they have no concept. I'm she's like, right. I'm, this way. I'm not black. She's like, I'm brown. I'm Moreno. <laughs> and you're like, well, what am I? Oh, you're black. Are you out of your mind? Like, <laughs> she literally one shade lighter than me, but she's not yeah. black. So yeah. they have a different concept, right? But here's the funny thing. Her sisters, and they have the same mom and dad. Her sisters look like light-skinned Latinas. Mm. So in her mind, it's like, are her sisters black? No, not at all. <laughs> so I can understand why she don't think she is. But they got the same mama and daddy, like right. born in the same house, grew up together, everything. Yeah. So that racial thing that we usually think about in the States, it's almost like a Americans have a different point of view on it than other people. And when I go to different places, I'm like, oh, like I didn't realize how much Dominicans don't like Haitians sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Not all the time. But they just as black. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, what are y'all man. doing? <laughs> it's yeah. it's just like territorialism more than like real science saying, "Am I a black person or am I white?" Yeah. Or whatever. It's like nationalism a lot of times. So that yeah, was one yeah. of the biggest I, things I had to adjust to because the, the, one of the things they called, "Hey, Negrito, Negrito." The literal translation, if you type it into Google, it will say some vulgar, like little black dude or little black man, or sometimes it'll translate as N-I-G-G-E-R. And you're like, Google, I don't think y'all supposed to have that in here. Yeah. Right. But to them, Negrito just means, oh, you're just a black dude. It's they call white folks Blanquita. Imagine in America of us calling white folks, hey Whitey, they would be looking at us like, what are y'all doing? (laughs) But they do it here all the time. Yeah. Whitey. And then the the word that they use to refer to white folks sometimes is mono. Mono is a monkey. So I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. y'all got too much cultural stuff. Just call right. me my first name. Apologies. I'm Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Oh, so yeah. really quick, I'll tell you something funny. My name, Ron, R-O-N, in English, if you ever you you ever drink rum before and it has like R O N Bacardi, right? Yeah, yeah. Or R O N whatever. And I used to coming up, I thought everybody who made rum they always named it after Ron. Somebody <laughs> it was Ron Bacardi. I'm drinking this Ron Bacardi because we spell rum R U M in English. Mm-hmm. Well, here nobody believes my name is R O N because R O N is the Spanish translation for rum. Okay, so they call you so rum. They're like, dude. Rum? And I'm like, yeah, that's my name. They're like, no. I'm like, no, that's my name. They got all the jokes. Was your daddy a drunk? What's your sister's name? Is her name beer? You got a cousin named Vodka? And I'm like, dude, like, in the U.S., this is a normal name. It's not the name of a liquor. So a lot of things get lost in translation like that culturally 
that we don't even think about, you know? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say, how's the food been over there? Like, how was the food, you know, transition from that U.S. American food to the food over there? Well, I mean, a lot of food is is like worldwide, you know, yeah. like American, American really don't have American food. Right. right, we right. got Italian, we got Chinese, all the stuff we eat. Ain't we even had American. so much like, seasoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like American food is like from other places. Like hot dogs and hamburgers is German, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, American really don't have a food culture. We've improved everybody else's food, right? Mm -hmm. So when you come to Colombia, Colombia has traditional Colombian food that you can get access to along with the other stuff, and it's like full of avocado or plantains or beans or pork they love pork like yeah fried pork is in everything right yeah so you yeah, get a yeah. lot of eggs um uh avocado avocado um beans plantains all of that stuff it, uh, that's kind of traditional colombian food mm -hmm. but you can still go to kfc or pizza hut or papa john's mcdonald's Chipotle, they got all of that. Same yeah. stuff. I mean, it's six million people in Medellin where I live. Six million people. So we got all okay. the modern food that everybody else would have. Okay. Is this so uh you think Medellin is this like a last stop for you? You plan to move to another country? Or what's it looking like? Oh, so I've lived in Honduras, um, the Dominican Republic, Costa Rica, and I've been in Medellin the longest. Uh, because we have a six-year-old in school. You know, it stops us from moving around a lot. But yeah. um, we did have a conversation a few months ago, like, yo, what are we going to do at the end of this year? We're going to stay in Medellin. Are we going to stay in Colombia? Um, yeah. Will we go, you know, will we go live in the States for a period of time or will we go live in some other countries? So that's on the blocks right now. I don't, Medellin is a place that I could stay forever. But yeah. the explorer in me wants to see and live other places. I'm not a I'm not a weekend warrior. Yeah. And what I mean by that is some people they can go on a trip for a weekend and they happy. Oh, we went there. How many days you there? Three days. Ah, uh, I ain't doing that. I'm the same way. I'm gonna be there for yeah. I'm gonna be there for three to six months. I'm gonna yeah. use all my visa time. So, yeah. um, but we got to be considerate with the um, with the six year old. So, like right now, we have. Um, a nanny that that's full time. We have okay. a maid at the house, and then we outside of his regular school because I want him to be ahead of everybody. We have someone that comes three days a week as a tutor in the house, as a homeschool person. Okay. Right now, everybody but the tutor travels with us. So when I go to, we take a family trip. It ain't just me, my girl, and the two kids. We got other people with us that are that are help us out. So, you know. If we're going to move somewhere else, it just doesn't affect us. We got to see if the nanny can come, probably yeah. find a professor that can homeschool the kid while we're doing gotcha. the traveling. So, but again, these are all blessings, man. I couldn't, yeah. like, I would have never imagined growing up as a kid having a, a nanny or yeah. a housekeeper or people, like, people that come and tutor my kids in the house, having a stay-at-home yeah. girl, you know, um, like, those were that was unfathomable at the time and right. to be able to live that dream now and provide a whole nother level of opportunity to my kids man i i'm forever grateful
Yeah, no, for sure, man. Definitely inspiring story. Um, now I want to ask you, I ask all the guests at the end of the episode, I ask them, you know, to share with us at any means moment. Um, and any means moment is pretty much a moment where you may have reached a goal that was super tough. Um, you know, it was an adversity time going on, or it was something that you set out that maybe seemed impossible. Uh, what was one of those? I'm sure you may have many of them. What is one of those moments you would like to share with the audience with some motivation? Ah, uh, man, I think. Man, there's a lot of those because as an entrepreneur, it's never a smooth. It's never smooth, yeah. regardless of what they tell you on Instagram. That ain't how business works. Yeah. Business is like this. You know, you go up and down. Even the biggest companies go up and down and up and down, right? So, um, I don't. I can't think of a moment specifically, but I can tell you how I handle all of them. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, so I can sure. tell you what my formula is to handle any issue. So I have this this thing my uncle taught me years ago. And he said, look, 10 years and $10,000. And I was like, dude, why do you keep saying that to me? And I'm a, I'm a teenager, right? And he's like, yo, if it, if it won't matter in 10 years, keep going. Just mm -hmm. don't worry about it. It won't even matter in 10 years. It'll pass over. Just keep going. Yeah. Right? If it don't cost you $10,000, don't worry about it. You can figure it out. And what he what, and I asked him about that. I'm like, 10 grand. He was like, Yeah, if you really needed 10 grand, between all of the friends and family that you have, you can come up with it. If yeah. the reason is big enough. But if you just need 10 grand because you bought a car you shouldn't have had, ain't nobody <laughs> gonna help you with that. Yeah. Because you shouldn't have bought that car to begin with, and we probably told you not to buy this goofy car or whatever. But if you needed 10 grand for a heart transplant this Friday, we love you enough to give you that. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So if yeah. you take that framework into any issue, you realize it really ain't that big of a deal. Right? So you can get through anything if you just have the perspective that, yo, will this even matter in 10 years? No. So I ain't going to stress out about it. Let me just work on it and fix it. Right? Is this a $10,000 problem? Most of the time, our problems ain't $10,000 problems that's stressing us out. Most of the stuff in my life, I can make go away for under 10 grand. Think yeah. about it. If I got an employee problem and man, they ain't performing, cool. I can hire another employee for less than 10 grand that'll come in tomorrow and knock that out. Mm -hmm. Right? Or you can hire a consultant to fix it. You can hire an attorney to fix the contract. You can hire an accountant yeah. to come in to do this. So you can, that's how I deal with everything, man. So, yeah. You know, my my girlfriend calls me Ronbot instead of robot. She's like, dude, you have no emotions. I'm like, no, I just got a framework to handling my emotions. Right. I got this, you yeah, know, yeah. like this, if this go here, if that go here, right? So, you know, my hopefully, let me say it this way. If you apply that framework, you will never have a bad life. Because the framework will prevent you from having bad years, which will also prevent you from having bad months, which will prevent you from having bad weeks and bad days. So if I apply the framework and I get to work, it ain't going to turn into a bad year because I hopped on it early. I may have had a bad right. day or a bad few days, maybe a bad week if it's a really big problem. Mm -hmm. But I ain't never had a bad year. Yeah. Because the, the framework true. keeps me going. Yeah, because think about it right now. I guarantee you, I'll, I'll show you on this call right now. What's something that you wish you could make go away tomorrow that you would pay for? 
you would pay to make go away tomorrow. I'm still allowance. Okay, right. No, but a problem that you you would pay oh, to make go away. You you can always pay off your student loans yeah. and they'll go away. <laughs> yeah, a problem that will make go away. But you're saying not related to price though, right? It, it don't matter. Whatever, whatever. Like, yo, man, I got this thing right now. If I could pay somebody to get rid of this, I would do it. I would say just the just the, the the daily cost of living down here in Florida, you know, with the, the rent, with the groceries, with the, the inflation. Yeah, that, that would definitely, okay. you know, that's that's why I've been trying to get a raise at work. So that's what I mean by that. <laughs> gotcha, right? But yeah. let's let me ask you it a different way, because maybe my question isn't clear. Uh-huh. Let's say, for instance, is there something at your job that you would pay someone else to do? Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to I work in HR and college recruiting. So when it comes to the the tedious logistics, you know, that take, you know, if it's the planning, if it's the booking, the trip and all that, that takes away from the time of the big projects that I'm actually working on, that would actually be a big help. Yeah, right. And yeah. let's say you make $20 an hour or $30 an hour. I'm just going to make up a number. Let's just say you make yeah. $60,000 a year, which is $30 an hour. And I say, hey, man, for 10 bucks an hour, I'll do anything you want me to do for 10 hours a week. No matter what, I'll go get your groceries. I'll wash your Jordans with a toothbrush. I'll do whatever. But 10 bucks an hour, 10 hours a week, I'll do it. I'll take you yeah. to work every day. Make sure your car filled up. Get the oil changed. I will be your do boy for yeah. do whatever you want me to do for $10 an hour. That's yeah. reasonable. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I, that's why I'll never be broke. Because I'm willing to ask enough people that. Yeah. Right? Yo, and it may not be $10 an hour. If it's a person that has a $100,000 problem that if it's solved, they're going to make a million dollars with it, give it to me. Yeah. So that's that's how I think about it. Like, yo, there's yeah. always somebody willing to pay me to make something go away. Right. So that's how you get out of a business slump. Ask more people that question. If you are in a business and your customers are not buying from you, call everybody and say, yo, I do this. Can I do it for you? And pay me whatever you want. You will yeah. not run out of customers. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I think about it. Like, yo, we just got to be in the problem solving business. Put your ego to the side and say, yo, I'm willing to do that. Because if I didn't have any cash, I would be doing that $10, 10 hours a week for you. And then I yeah. would hustle that into somebody else paying me $15 and then 20 and then 30. And then now I ain't in the slump no more. Mm -hmm. Right. So that goes back to that original thing we talked about of having the sales skills. Can you ask someone about a problem that they have and they're willing to pay for it? Even if they're not clear on it, like I wasn't, I wasn't very clear at the beginning. I had to clarify to you a little bit more, but that's learning to sell. Yeah. Dude, I would walk away with at least 10 hours worth of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Sure. Yeah, yeah so just nah. keep ask people the, for problems and ask them pay yeah. them, <laughs> No, nah, I say this is really great, man. Real um, you know, inspired, you know, after this interview. I definitely appreciate your time and you know, sharing all those different jewels. Um, you even motivated me. Like I said, I haven't visited Columbia yet, but you got me thinking about coming to move over there, man. I'm fully remote with my job, so I just take my laptop and go wherever. <laughs> Look, let me let me tell you, look, Columbia here 
you can live a really great life. I mean, for about 20% of the cost of living in South Florida. Mm. Right. Yeah. So what am I, what am I, like what's the average? So right now I'm I'm in a spot like right now I'm moving into this month. I'm paying nineteen seventy five. I'm about to move to Fort Lauderdale, paying fifteen twenty five for a nice decent spot. What's the average rent you would say in Medellin? Okay, what what, what you what you get right now for that nineteen hundred? So for this nine seventy five, we got a gym. It's basic. We got the pool. It's okay, you know. And it's gated. Sometimes when the gate is working, but it's in a suburb of South Florida. But to me, it's like a it's a regular apartment complex. You ask me. What is it? One bedroom, two baths? Yeah, what is yeah, it? Yeah, this, this is a one bedroom. I say about 860 square feet, one bedroom, balcony. All right. So right now I live in the best neighborhood in Medellin. Mm -hmm. Like there's you can just get a better place, but you can't live in a better neighborhood. Good area. Okay. So I have the entire floor in my building. So I live on the eighth floor, one apartment per floor. The elevator opens up to my front door. Like I walk out into my house. Yeah. Right. It's three bedroom, four bath with an office, living room, dining room, uh, family room, all of that stuff. Right around 2,300 square feet. Uh, fully furnished, including all the bills, because we just rent fully furnished places because we move. Yeah. Mm, 1,500 bucks a month. Oh yeah, God. yeah, I'll be there next yeah, look, week. Let me, let me show you. Let me show you. <laughs> let me let me show you where we're moving to, and uh, that, hopefully that is crazy, bro. And you see, because down here, the average one bedroom is going for twenty one hundred dollars. Like crazy. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna share the screen. I don't know if this is going on YouTube or if we need to kill the podcast, but um, <laughs> let me let me let know, me I'll share. Let's see. Right. Oh, you want to? Yeah, so if you share it, I cut it out. All right, yeah, it's cool. Right. I mean you can keep it here. I don't care. I mean okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I just want to make sure that that we got inspired. You know, That's the purpose of the podcast motivation. We got to inspire some people to get about America, cool. man. You know, cool, move, cool, move cool. Away. Right. So let me show you this spot. Can you see my screen? Yeah, I gotta see this. Put it on this one. Uh add to stream. There we go. All right. All right. So that this place right here, that's the rent. 15 million pesos. Mm. Does that make sense? So let's do the, the transition, USD to COP. So I'm going to do the transition right now of 15 million pesos. So it's 3,200 bucks a month. You see that? Yeah. Right? So this is what you get. You get five bedrooms, six baths. Yeah. <laughs> right? And let me zoom in so people can see. That's your yard. The backside, that's the hallway, Good jacuzzi. God. So this is $3,000 a month here in Medellin. Man, that's beautiful. Beyond yeah, five bedrooms, six baths, including the yard, gated community. It's three grand a month. Yeah, that's a good down here. That's a $4 million house, easily. Exactly, right? So, but that's, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's nice. what you get here. In Medellin, man. I mean, now there's a gang of these. I mean, this ain't that ain't the only one. I mean, there's a gang right. of them. Yeah, anyway. a little <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just showed you one, but if I, I can show you, like, hold on, let me see something. Um, yeah, you guys, and they got rentals on it too. You gotta send me the site, man. Yeah, all this is rental. All of this is rental. 
I'm telling you, look, I just, I just put a deposit down for the apartment, man. I might got to leave that and come over here. Bruh, so let's look at, um, I'll show you, I'll show you a place that's really reasonable. You said 1500 bucks? Yeah, I'm paying, uh, despite I'm moving to now, I'm paying 1525 yeah. All right, so this is $1,500 right here. Okay. This spot, fully furnished, everything's 1500 bucks. Yeah, fully furnished. You can't beat that at all. Yeah, fully furnished, fifteen hundred bucks. How's um how's the roads over there? Like I know when I was in Mexico City, man, the driving and traffic was insane. How's it over there? Well, I mean, it depends on where you live. So, I mean, there's traffic in every, any city that has five million people, yeah. right? So this is four bedroom, four four bath, right? Um, but any any city that has five million people is going to have a lot of traffic. Right. Yeah. But the further you live up on the side of the mountains, because Medellin is in a valley, the less traffic it is because everybody's trying to get through the expressway, which runs through the meadow. Well, you just you know, you work from home, so you ain't got to really worry about it. Right. So, um, but from five to seven every day, no way I would leave yeah. the house right? Okay. if I didn't have to. But before five and after seven, you can get anywhere in 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but many is a great place, man. I mean, it's it's a cool, cool country. Um, uh, Colombia is a cool country. Uh, yeah. A lot of people come down here to kind of have fun, right? Yeah. So um, I was on this guy Dennis Sperling's YouTube thing, and he was talking about like this new topic, passport bros, and all of that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, I mean, I ain't a passport bro. I actually live here. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't coming here for the weekend to have a good time. So right. I always tell people that Colombia is known as a place to come play. Right. But in reality, it should be the place that you come stay. Right. Yeah. So it shouldn't be a playground. It should be more of a stay ground. Like, yo, yeah. I'm coming here to see if I can live here. And they yeah. have a digital nomad visa now that gives you two years. If you, if you work remotely from the U S you can stay here for two years on this digital nomad visa before you can only stay for six months. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, you don't have to go the extreme route where I have a kid and I can stay here until I'm until the kid's 21, which at that yeah. point I'll be five, right? Um, yeah. But so I think Colombia is a great place to at least explore because the cost yeah. of living is low. Your ability to find great help to build out your team is great. Um, like being able to find an assistant that can help you with your job, like you're yeah. talking about, like yeah. they can help you with some of the groundwork. You can you can get that here for three bucks an hour that type yeah. of work yeah because right? that's like when i plan to come visit you know that's i'm gonna come by myself uh angela want to connect want to kind of network and do some interviews over there but uh you know thinking about your question you asked earlier like even with the podcast that's one uh problem i have is that i wish i could have a full-time editor you know working two jobs and trying to edit at night sometimes and i want to you know i want to post every day but it's sometimes impossible because you got so much other stuff going on so yeah um, I'm going to definitely be hey. over there, man, a couple of times, bro. So I'm going to let you know when I'm pulling up the tab. <laughs> hey, hey, hit me up, man, everybody. I think 34, 35 weeks last year I had someone visiting. Yeah. So, you know, um, my girl thinks it's annoying because she's like, you always got <laughs> friends in town. You don't have that yeah. many friends. I'm like, I do have that many friends. She just doesn't <laughs> know that's not my life. Um, yeah. She thinks I'm just this dad that just always is always with the kids. She doesn't mm -hmm. realize that. You know, I'm I ain't famous, but I got yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Man.
But now I appreciate yeah, man, it. Yeah, anybody who's right. listening, um, if you want to be on more podcasts, um, you want to be interviewed like this on this podcast or any other podcast, go to pitchdb.com and sign up. You can get a, a free account with PitchDB um, so that you can reach out to podcasters about talking about your story or your business. Um, if you want to follow me on any social media networks, it's Ron Story Jr., just my name, R-O-N-S-T-O-R-Y-J-R, okay. on every social media. Um, you got any questions, hit me up in the DMs. I'll answer your questions. I've never turned anybody down. I've been on Boyce Watkins' channel. I've done, I used to do a podcast with his with his brother on their channel. Um, oh, nice. So, I mean, I've always answered questions for anybody. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm here to help, man. And people have been nice to me. So I'm always gracious with my time with, with everybody. Yeah, for sure. Sure, man. I appreciate it, Ron. Uh, definitely during the latter day. And yeah, like I said, I'll be in touch. I'm going to follow you on social media now. I might be over the next month for my birthday. That's the plan at the end of February. So I'll keep you posted. Come on out, man. Come on out. You'll, you know, then you can post, you can post your on your social medias all the different stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do, man. You can fly around. If you fly to Medellin, you can fly to Cartagena in 30 minutes, right? Yeah. So if you want to go to the beach, you can just fly up for 30 minutes, fly back the same day. You know, you can hit different cities. Medellin is in the middle. All the big yeah. cities are a 30-minute flight away. Yeah, because that's what I'm going to ask you. There's an event, actually, President's Day weekend. Bar, I don't even know. I know I'm about to say the name wrong. Barranquilla Bar, Bar, Bar Carnival? Yep. But how far Barranquilla. Barranquilla yeah, is a 30-minute flight from... from um, from Medellin, 30, 30 40 okay. minutes from Medellin. It's about $75 round trip. Okay. Um, round trip flight. You fly in. It's like carnival. I mean, it's literally just like being in Rio. Yeah. They're going to be yeah. in the streets. They're going to have on all the outfits. It's going to be black <laughs> folks just like us okay. doing what we see people do in Brazil or it's their Miami, Miami Carnival. They do the big carnival. Yeah, now, it's, you know, it's, so it's the same thing. Carnival. I mean, black folks, black folks, we doing the same thing yeah. wherever we at. So, <laughs> yeah, so up, yeah. the one thing about if you do that during better if you go down to Barranquilla, um, because after COVID, it's it's now coming back. The um yeah. the festivals are coming back now. So yeah. be sure you reserve your hotels or whatever, wherever you're gonna stay hey. early if you're oh. gonna head up there because gotcha. they back live, you know, for a couple yeah. of years because of the, <laughs> the, the, the craziness, it was dead, but nah. Yeah. Nah, it ain't dead no more. It's, it's back. It's back. Okay. You know, oh, man. Yeah. So I'll keep you posted. Um, I'll shoot your email. You know, exchange our contact information. I'm gonna follow you on social media. But appreciate it, man. On coming on dreams by any means. This is where hustle plus faith equals success. And I'm glad to have you on the show, Ron. Hey, man. Hopefully, I, I showed people how I hustled to be kind of successful. Absolutely, man. Take care, bro. Talk to you later. Thanks again. All right. Thank you for tuning into Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station, where hustle plus faith equals success. Stay tuned for the next episode.